What's up, everybody? It's another episode of the War on 94 podcast. It's Frank. It's Evan. It's another freezing cold Sunday in the Midwest and across the whole country. Evan, how are we feeling? Didn't Dallas get snow? <laughs> Dallas is covered in snow, believe me. As a guy who works in logistics, the whole damn country is covered in ice and snow, and every driver across the damn 48 is... Uh, is complaining and not driving. So yeah. Yeah. They got snow. <laughs> Infected in logistics mapping in that 40, hundred plus car pile up in Fort Worth the other day. I didn't have anybody personally who was affected by that, but I know there was uh, a lot of issues caused, caused by that. Uh, that was, that was fucked up. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, no, we're, um, as you said, freezing, freezing cold up here. Negative six in the car thermometer this morning. Uh, not good. Have me really missing summer, and what what do we get to look forward to tomorrow? Another six more inches of the white stuff. So let's go. Good stuff. Good Bear stuff. weather, baby. Bear weather. <laughs> Too bad they ain't playing. Yeah, nobody is playing. Yeah. Well, uh, as we as we so uh, so horribly realized, we we were recording for about five and a half minutes. We thought we were recording for about five and a half minutes before we realized we had not hit the record button. So let's 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 skip the the niceties and let's get right into the best thing we saw all week. We were nice on there. Take you didn't hear. Don't get to hear that. Sorry. Kick it off. Kick it off for us, Evan. We're doing best thing we saw this week, huh? Yes. Best thing I saw, I'm gonna say, was not actually something that I watched on TV, rather in person, because the first time since March 11th, I can remember exactly seeing what happened when when like the alert came through my phone on a on a on a sleeper app of all things that Gobert had tested positive. The NBA was getting shut down. That was on March 11th. And I came home and had no idea what was happening for the next three or four days of just like, where do we go from here? A, a long year later, especially in the Illinois high school sports world, which is where I work. And we finally, as of last Tuesday, almost actually almost 11 months to date, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, well, yeah, Tuesday was February 9th. So literally right. two days, 11 months to the date, finally got back in and had our first organized um basketball game uh which is the first sport save for tennis and cross country which i love those sports very dearly but first sport i've seen besides those two in 11 months and it was a weird sensation um as matt matt you know masks are still on obviously we were tons of cleaning protocols in place where you know i feel like i'm watching the airline videos in the initial where they had those electric sprayers we got those we're spraying like crazy we're wiping on the floor between games like just tons of protocols that are not normal to a sporting world, but things we have to do in order to get these sports back and one down and many, many more to go, hopefully. So yeah, just cool to see sports back and be back for a basketball game. I, that's so that's the best thing I saw. What about you? Best thing I saw all week has to be, you know, last Sunday we had the Super Bowl, of course, uh, Bucks came out on top over the chiefs in a, what is, you know, we, we're not really used to it at this point. We've seen a lot of good good Super Bowls the last couple of years, but this one kind of reminded me, harkened back to our, our younger days, a little bit of a stinker. Uh, the Bucks dominated the Chiefs, and Bruce Arians, the oldest coach in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl, finally got his ring, a guy who was out of the league about two years ago in the broadcast booth and came back with the hope of being able to turn around this Bucks franchise, and he did it in just over a year. So pretty amazing to see a guy who has been in the, in organized football for about almost 50 years um, to finally get that, that ring and to uh, do it in his home stadium uh, in front of his 
nearly a hundred year old mother being able to be there and watch it. And, you know, he, he said when he came there, they were a quarterback away from winning. He got maybe the best, the, well, the most winning quarterback of all time, the best winner maybe in sports history. And Tom Brady came in and helped him realize that dream. And I just love to see that Bruce Arians, a guy who, who deserves it probably more than anybody get that ring. So that's gotta be the best thing I saw. Yeah, absolutely. I just crazy to think his career is twice as long as you and I have both have been on this earth. Unbelievable. Uh, 75. He started as a, a collegiate assistant. Um, he's worked his way all the way up. And, you know, prominent role, Steelers, the Cardinals, uh, the Colts even worked for the Browns for a little bit, like just all over the place. And he finally gets the one thing he was searching for in Tampa Bay of all places. I, you know, obviously they had Tom Brady, but like, it's just you know it's it's so hard to separate especially watching like the, the reaction to the super bowl it's like ugh, tom brady of course you're gonna win but like tampa bay last time they won a super bowl was 2002 right mm-hmm. yeah did they win that one yeah they did they that's the okay. only other one they've been in yeah i always get confused because obviously we associate gruden as a raider but he was he won that super bowl so he's a bucks head coach i always feel like he the bucks to the raiders but it was actually the other way around the bucks traded for picks to get him and he beat the raiders and he knew their entire and he knew their entire playbook so they were able to just pick him apart that's that's the raiders (laughs) funny story about about bruce arians he originally uh when the bears uh let go of lovey smith he was actually a guy who wanted to who who interviewed for the chicago job and was high on the list um to replace lovey and he was a big fan of jay cutler he felt that he could take Jay Cutler and turn him into a star quarterback in this league, a guy he could cut down on his turnovers, maximize the good things about him. And instead we went with Mark Tressman. We all know how that went. And uh, the rest is, the rest is history. So classic bears. I mean, uh, yeah, (laughs) another wait. hold on. Before we, before we move on, I have another fun, fun story about uh, Kurt Warner. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw this, but Kurt Warner was on pardon my take a barstool podcast and they were asking him um, he was scheduled to have a tryout with the bears uh, in 1997, 98, something like that. Right before he went to the Rams, um, he was in the arena football league. He was going into this and he, he was getting married. So he had to reschedule the, the tryout to a week later. Uh, and then he goes to for a week later and then it's his honeymoon. So then he has to, he has to reschedule it to a, the next week. While on his honeymoon, he was bit by a spider in Jamaica that caused his elbow to like blow up like three times its size, and he was unable to try out for the Bears. What? And then, so then he he was out of out of the football for a bit. Was bagging groceries, as everybody knows. He gets picked up by the Rams, wins the Super Bowl, Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> He was a spider bite away from being a Bears quarterback, and probably we probably wouldn't even know who Kurt Warner was, honestly, if he was on the Bears. So probably, so it all worked out for in his case. Yeah, well, but, there's no Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, it, <laughs> so it probably all worked out for him. That spider was like his guardian angel. But I just thought that's that's another little footnote in the history of Bears and quarterbacks. So uh, a topic we will get to today. That's you have your your uh, your thesis, your senior thesis today oh, on the I show. Uh, yes. all about quarterbacks and we will, we'll finish up with that, but we'll start, we'll make the rounds uh, of uh, Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Before we do that really quickly. I just want to hear your takeaway on the Super Bowl. 
um, whether it's an X and O's thing or an off the field thing, besides mm-hmm. obviously Arians, like what did you think thoughts on the game overall? Um, I thought that Mahomes was hurt. Clearly he was not himself. They were struggling mightily behind that taped together offensive line. Yeah. They were, they were missing Eric Fisher. Tape is strong for what that offensive line <laughs> yeah. is. I think it was literally tied. Like a, like a glue stick or something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, three week expired, three weeks past expiration glue stick that is yeah. dry you apply. <laughs> and I mean, his receivers didn't help him and, and the bucks played him perfectly. They had the two high safeties uh, stopped him from being able to spread the ball down the field. All he could get was just like short passes. And when he did, and he, I mean, you saw the stat. I'm sure he ran for like 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I saw, I saw a, a map. It was all of his, it was like a route tree map, but it was all of his scrambles and it was compared to Tom Brady's. And you're like, it was weird. Cause I, they, they overlaid it and it was red and white for completed and non-completed. So you're like, Oh, white must be Brady. Red must be Mahomes. And you're like, okay, like that makes, that makes like, it makes sense. Like the white one was, or the, the Mahomes one was a lot larger than Brady's. And you're like, okay. I mean, obviously Brady had to run a little bit, but he doesn't run much. And Mahomes was scrambling for his goddamn life. And then you look closer and you see a little blip down in the bottom underneath the whole route tree. And you're like, oh, this one's Mahomes. Yeah. And this little teeny one down here is Brady's. And you're like, yep. holy crap, he ran that much. And I think he was pressured on, I want to say like 53 or 54% of his of his dropbacks. So he just had no time. And it, it's, it sucks because I was hoping that they would, well, I was hoping it'd be a good game for a small. And I was hoping it'd be like high scoring and like, obviously the bucks were able to fulfill that. But I mean, the, the chiefs, they, I mean, they had like several drops on touch on touchdown passes. Like Mahomes made one of the greatest throws I've ever seen. It was like a, like an infielder charging a ball, honestly, like, uh, yeah, it was like a your trademark, like, like lateral throw. I mean, he was, he was horizontal. He was totally laying. He was almost laying on the ground when he threw it and it hit, I think it was Damian Williams in the face, right? I think it was playoff yeah, Damian. Pringle or somebody. It yeah, was, somebody yeah. like that. And then and then Tyreek Hill let a ball hit him in the face too on a touch on a on a what what would have been a touchdown. And you know, I mean, the Bucks game plan perfectly. Tom Brady did his thing, and Gronk. I mean, of all people, Gronk to have two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Who would have seen that coming? Looking back on it, I guess I'm not, I, I shouldn't have been as surprised as I was, but I was definitely like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I was. I was like, wow, I did not see this coming at all. This sort of domination. The casual fan just stops it, and and I did it too. I'm not going to sit here and say that I dove deep into the matchup. Um, I saw some buzz about the offensive line, things like that. But you look at it, you're just like Brady and Mahomes. This is automatically going to be a shootout. Like it's going to be right. an amazing Super Bowl. And um, Todd Bowles and Tom Brady are two of the best people, I would say, across the entire league at looking at a matchup and adjusting and filming at that next week. And you gave – Brady said it himself. You gave him 12 days. I think his kids even, his family even left the house. He was alone in his, in his house for 12 days. Yeah. He's not going to lose when you give him that much time to study. Like it's just not possible. <clears throat> I was talking about this with friends the other night. I, like if you run that matchup 10, 10 times out of 10, I think the Bucks take seven. I mean, I, they just played that much better. And you can point fingers at them not running the ball and them not doing this, that, the other, not getting Tyreek involved in lateral movement, but they tried to. Levante David and Devin White just ran him down mm-hmm. like it was nothing. I, I mean, 
it just they they were they were the better team on the day, and I think more oh, sure. not they will be the better team in that scenario. It was just it was an absolute outclassing, is what it was. <laughs> and we saw a lot of players. I mean, just the, the the names of the guys who won a ring based on the Super Bowl. I mean, who would have thought we'd see Antonio Brown, Rob, Rob Gronkowski winning another one, Tom Brady winning another one after the way last season ended, Leonard Fournette. Who saw that coming? Shady McCoy, who I, who I didn't even know was on the Bucks, bro. He has the best strategy: is get signed in the off season, suck so bad that you're just demoted to a game day inactive for the rest of the season, win a ring. That's been the past two years for him. Worked last year in KC, and I worked this bad. year in KC. <laughs> and then, and then, like guys on the defense, like Indomitian Sue, and you know, I mean, just Jason Pierre-Paul winning another one with seven fingers. I mean, crazy. Seriously, like good. I mean, good for the Bucks. Definitely well deserved, and they they turned it on when they needed to. They had a great end of the season, led them right into the playoffs. They win four straight games, three on the road, and get rewarded with a home game in the Super Bowl, and they dominate it. it and I think it was the most surprising thing was we, we've just never seen Patrick Mahomes in that kind of situation in his career. Like he's yeah. never been he's been down before, but he's always come back. So that was like there were like three minutes left, and they're down by twenty. And people are still like, well, if they score here and they get the ball back and they do this, it's like that doesn't sound that crazy when it's Patrick Mahomes. But it took one, and he's the guy who can do that. Exactly, but it never came. And thirty-one to nine, or 30, 31, 31 yeah. to nine. Okay, yeah. no. Nine field, mm-hmm. three field goals for the Chiefs' offense, the electrifying, high-flying Chiefs' offense. That just shows you how good that Buccaneers team was. Unbelievable. Screw Antonio Brown forever and always. True. True that. Thousand percent. Well, let's move on, and we'll start. Uh, let's start on the on the hardwood. A little basketball talk uh, to get us going. Uh, we'll start with the Bulls. I don't really have a, a lot to say about the Bulls as a team right now. A week of kind of they split split a couple games. They had a an offensive explosion on Wednesday against the Pelicans, and then uh, I mean almost a historic game, a franchise record for three pointers made in the game. Um, Zach Levine and Kobe White became the first pair of teammates in the history of the NBA to both to hit eight plus three pointers in a game, which is crazy to me that no other teammates are like Steph and Clay never did that in one game. So who are the real splash brothers? I'll let, <laughs> I'll let you decide out there. Over yeah, <laughs> exactly. We have the real step uh, splash brothers. Uh, they played on Friday against the Clippers lost pretty handedly. Kawhi did his thing and uh, dominated Patrick Williams this time after last time he kind of, you know, they had a nice little battle last time. This time it was all, it was all claw. Um, So, you know, we're, we're shorthanded. We're trying to stay afloat in the Eastern conference. I think, I think we're around like 11th right now. Um, Currently projected for the seventh pick in the draft before the lottery, of course. So, you know, we're missing a couple key guys. We're missing Lori Markkinen. We're missing Wendell. We're missing Otto Porter. So we're, we're kind of holding ourselves together. But the guy who is really holding us together is the man I mentioned, Zach Levine. And this is my 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 case for him and why he should be an NBA All Star. Well, first of all, I don't even. I'll start this off by saying I don't even think the NBA should play an All Star game this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if they're going to have an all-star game, Zach Levine should be there. God damn it. Yeah. So uh, they decided to to put a, together a game despite against the, the rules, uh, the wishes of the players 
and they'll be holding it in uh, in Atlanta next month. And Zach Levine currently sitting fifth amongst Eastern Conference guards. The starters are pretty much set. I mean, it's going to be Bradley Beal. It's going to be Kyrie Irving. Like, that's set. So then it's James Harden, Jalen Brown, and Zach. Zach is putting together a season that we have not seen many times before. Uh, he's averaging 28, 5, and 5. Uh, there's only three other players doing that uh, currently in the NBA, and that is uh, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and uh, and Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. So that's pretty elite company right there, I would say. Um, his true shooting percentage is 65%, so that encompasses field goals, three-pointers, and free throws. He's almost at a 50-40-90 clip, which is something that only the, the elite of the elite do. He is... I mean, he's grown leaps and bounds. He had a fantastic season last year, no doubt about it, was a fringe all-star, did not make it. But this season, I mean, he has done everything in his power to will this team. Without Zach Levine, this Bulls team would be bottom three in the league, probably. We'd be fighting for that number one pick, just like we were last year. And he has been the, the glue that holds this team together. And, I mean, you cannot ask for anything more than what he's given us this year. The, okay, well, I will say the only thing I, I could ask for is maybe a little better in clutch time. He has struggled uh, when it comes down the stretch in games. He's five for 19 on game-winning baskets or uh, or uh, clutch time baskets. So that's less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter or overtime of, overtime of a game. So he's five for 19 in those situations. But he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that that hero. He wants to be the one who leads the team. This is a man who's never been in the playoffs, who has rarely had recognition. He has never been on a team that has won, I believe, more than 35 games in a season. And so he <laughs> he wants to be that that engine that pushes a team over the top. And he is doing everything in his power to, to make that happen. And I think that the league and the fans should recognize that ability and put him in and give him that honor because it's it's well-deserved. And I hope that... I know that the fans won't decide that because the fans only decide the starters, but I'm hoping the coaches who go out there and see him play every night can, can think that's the guy we have to plan around. That's a guy who is in that range of top 30, top 25 players in the NBA right now and deserves to be among those elite players on that stage in Atlanta. So I rest my case. Uh, I'll leave it up to whoever else gets to decide it, but I think that Zach Levine should be there in March and playing in that game and being able to rub elbows with those kind of guys, but only elbows, no hands, no, no hands. Yeah. No, only six elbows. feet apart, please. Masks on while you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I, can I just say another shocking one is Chris Paul is only seventh with two, not even 300,000 votes. Um, I mean, I know that's, there's a lot of guards. I mean, it's, it's mm. Steph, Luca, yeah. Dame, dame right now and, and then donovan and jaw like that but, western conference is tough to crack it is stuff. tough i mean you got you got steph luca and damien running away with it then you have donovan through the end only has it all have 500k votes or less so mm-hmm. i mean it's it's they're all shooting each other down but i just ugh, it's crazy i mean that's just how ridiculous that conference oh he's is. turned around that and he's turned around that team completely i mean they're yeah. they're now in the, that my lord yeah, they're they're getting into the conversation for maybe a, a top four or five seed in the in the Western Conference, thanks Easy, to him. Yeah. So Zach Levine All Star, I'll I'll leave it at that. There you go. A pretty convincing argument, if you ask me. Thank you, thank you. 
Uh, let's talk Bucks though. Uh, a team that is kind of uh, nah. <laughs> me right now. Not 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 quite on the level that we were hoping they would be uh, before the season, and now have been losing some tough games. Uh, we saw them lose on Friday to the Jazz. Uh, we saw them beat the Nuggets, a team that is kind of on the same level as them right now. Um, and they're still missing something. They're missing something out there. Um, tell me about it. Tell me what. Tell me what the Bucks need to do. Yeah, I don't know what that something is. I I don't have those answers. But I, there just seems to be a disconnect still. Um, you had mentioned there's been some some good wins. They had rolled off five straight, um, including taking two over the Cavs, but pretty pretty handily. They had beat the um the Blazers, the Pacers, and the Nuggets, as you mentioned as well. But then uh, national TV close one to the Suns and then getting drubbed to the, by the jazz two nights later um, to finish out the week. And I, I, especially watching the Suns game, I, and you know, the it's hard to evaluate. Obviously you want to win against the Cavs. Like if you're blowing games against the Cavs, like that's not they're, they're the way they're playing right now. They're a young and exciting team. We've talked about them before, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're not a team that should be causing the bucks trouble. And you, you know, you would expect a team that's 21 and five in the jazz. And then the, the, the Suns, as we just talked to both cause trouble and they did, but the fact the Bucks were up handily in that game, especially against the Suns, and let them come back in the second half, like it just was watching, like they just let them back in the game. There didn't seem to be any, uh, like trying to stop them on defense. I mean, it felt like every time the the Suns walked on the floor, they made three or four passes, and either Chris Ball or Booker, Chris Paul or Booker was wide open and buries a three, um, and. Also, Jay Crowder continues to give this team fits every time we match up against him on the floor. I, he just has the answer for Giannis. He can help just, you know, just help in the paint. And he he plays a good role. He's a good ball player, but he just seems to always have, have get in Giannis's head or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's good, but he shouldn't be giving Giannis fits like that much. Giannis should be able to do that. Should be able to take care of a guy like that. And this is what what really you know it was it was part one of the one two punch that really gave the heat that the edge in in last year's series. I mean it was Bam and and uh, Bam and Jay Crowder just shutting down the paint and just owning that. And when you have a two time MVP who is a size Giannis is the Greek freak, it should not be. I mean we, you don't expect to win the paint every time, but like you expect to win the paint every time. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's frustrating to see. You know there was obviously I think. They, they they were able to adjust to it, uh, and it was partially because Brooke, Brooke Lopez was just getting, like, controlled by Kamins- Kaminsky. And it just was like, you're like, who is this guy, and how is he giving Brooke this much issue? I, I It just – it was unbelievable to watch. Um, and I think, I, you know, it was basically – somehow it led to – a lot of times it ended up that Brooke would be the guy – would got that somehow got switched on to Chris Paul and it's like Chris was like looking for that and it, and it happened a ton um but just out rebounding just not winning winning the balls you need to um they couldn't capitalize on on open looks when they had them and the and the Suns were doing it and the Suns brought them brought themselves right back to the game and I even took the lead I think they pulled up by like eight to ten points at one point um and it came down to uh again the last time I really really bitched about the Bucks on this podcast it was right after watching them lose the nets with a stupid last second play um they ran the same play this time they just gave the ball to Giannis. um and it wasn't a bad look he just missed the look um yeah. but 
They really gave him the shot too. He kind of had an open look. It was just a matter of him miss. He's just not a good jump shooter. Is really yeah. It was a mid range, and he just didn't. He just didn't hit, and and that that was that. But like, I just I don't I don't want to see games come down to that, even against tough teams. Like you, come on, you were they're up by like fifteen at one point. I think it's like, how do you just let them just sneak back into the game like that? Um, I, I wasn't able to sit and watch the, the Jazz game, but it sounds like it was – or looking over the box score, it was the same. It wasn't close. It was never close. They had four guys with over 25 points. Um, the bench didn't play the way they needed to. And here we are. Lost lost two in a row. Got the Thunder tonight um, to maybe try and get something straight. But if you can't even take – like it just – you need to see some sort of improvement defensively. And it just – it doesn't feel like it's there yet. Mm-hmm. And we're only 25 games in the season, but even from game one to game 25, I was hoping for more, and I just don't think it's quite there. So, I, like I said, I, I do not know what the answer is. I'm not going to pretend to be a genius on the basketball side of things, but it just it's just not coming together currently for the Bucks, and it leaves it leaves some worry. I mean, you you want to like prove to yourself. Obviously, everybody looks toward forward towards the postseason, especially with a team like the Bucks, who you expect to end up being there. Um, and they look they look to be in position to do that pretty easily. But you're not looking to just make it into the postseason. Like this is a team that should be built to have home court for at least the first few rounds. I mean, you know, we're the one overall last year, and and uh, it's not it's not piecing together currently. And then there's been a lot of new additions. Uh, Drew plays nice when he's on the floor. I like his I like how he's been been added into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just it just something feels off (laughs) it's just you guys don't have that guy who can create his own shot out like you don't have that guy I mean you have Giannis who is obviously a freak of nature who is an I mean one of the most dominant athletes regular season wise we've seen in any sport the last couple years uh, uh, an absolute dominant force down low against certain people and but can't create his own shot can't hit a consistent jumper you have chris middleton who needs somebody to create that shot for him you have drew holiday who's not that type of guy plays amazing defense can facilitate whatnot that this that the other thing but i feel like they might have made the wrong move in grabbing a guy like drew when they could have gone after a guy like bradley beal zach levine somebody along those lines who, who is a guard who can handle the ball and be that guy you can look to and say, Giannis, you don't have to score 45 points tonight. You know, you don't have to score 35, 45 every game for us to stay in these games. You can hand the ball off to a guy like a Bradley Beal and be like, here, you take the reins, you lead us. I know it's a lead that's not about defense, but I feel like I, I they they weren't ever looking. I mean, they're looking a little bit for that, but they were looking to beef up defensively. And, and that's what's missing for me is just like, you know, I look at these these scores, and you're seeing 130, and it's it's across the league too, right? The defenses seem to go oh, yeah. out the window, but you're seeing 130 to the Pelicans, 125 to the Hornets, 100, you know, still winning, but giving up 100 to the Blazers, 110 to the Pacers. Like they're just not like you know, gone to the days of defense, I guess. But that was what you seemed you thought this this offseason was gearing toward is like we have to, you know the Bucks seeding that they're not a team that puts up 140, 150 every time out. They're not, you know, it's not the James, it's not the the Nets now who are, you know, ballers everywhere you look. And it's, it's Durant, it's mm-hmm. Kyrie, it's Harden who, who can all three of them created their own shot at any time. But it was a team that you were like, okay, well, at least we know on the defensive side of the ball, we're going to be really, really tough to get past. We're going to be not like the other teams and just be a really hard nosed defensive team. And that's not there either. So what is, I mean, what is it? What do we do? Like, 
mm-hmm. just keep winning and hope that it works. I guess I, 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 you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't because you're seeing a two playoff caliber teams. I think by anybody's definition, the Jazz and Suns, and and not good performances to 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 come with it. Besides, like you said, Giannis making forty five, right. And you can't rely on that every game, obviously. He's not going to be able to put that kind of game together. We saw it in the playoffs last year. especially. And then he gets hurt, and it's like, you're fucked now because you don't have yeah. anybody who can, who can make up for that or even two guys who can put together something that can make up for that. So, yeah. Well, like I said, the other thing, you know, and it, this, this, this excuse is starting to wear thin, but only 25 games into a season, you know, it's starting to get – the point where, like I said, I'm about to say, it's starting to the point where you can't use that excuse anymore, but like right. you still like have a little bit more time under that window. Oh, but like once okay. you get to the all-star break, you better yeah. be, I mean, if this team ain't humming and like really starting to dominate and show that they're better uh, and, and win some of these games, I mean, I'd like to see a win against, oh, well, let's, uh, let's look at March. That's, you know, I got the Pelicans coming back up again. I saw that going ahead. You got two games against the Raptors um, and, and you got the Clippers in at the end of February. And and the Nuggets one more time and the Nuggets meh kind of yeah but like the yeah, Clippers, like, the Clippers, gotta you gotta watch out for anybody. It's anybody can sure. win on any night, right? Um, sure. But but the the Clippers especially that game to me and then the Pelicans rematch. I thought I saw that was coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are back to back. So the 25th of February and the 28th, like those are two games that I'm definitely looking at. Like, what will this team do? And and who is this team really? Because that's you know, you judge yourself as a, if you if you think you're a playoff team, you judge yourself against the playoff teams. Sure. And so far, what I've seen against teams that others would deem playoff teams, it hasn't been pretty. <laughs> it no. really hasn't. So, I you know, sixteen and ten, second in the, in the East, is you know, you're you're in control right now, but uh, you just you just got to put it together. It's these. It's there's only a few matchups in the regular season where you really get to gauge what you're worth. And so far, I've I would not say we're passing that test. Yeah, and you have a team like the Sixers who have seemed to finally put it together. You have the Nets who. I mean, obviously have their big three and are still still learning to play together and are, are just going to keep getting better. They I think, have no depth right now. They are just, I mean. But when you have the top, those three guys up top, I mean, you don't need a ton of depth. You've seen it. We saw it last year from the Lakers. Like, you don't need much depth to win in the NBA. You need you need seven guys pretty much who can who can put together, a, a you know, 48 minutes of play. So, I mean, I I totally understand that argument, but neither do the Bucks, <laughs> so they don't really have any depth either. So you're right, you're right yeah. about that one. Yeah. Um. So, you know, lots of uh, lots of question marks surrounding that team, but still, I mean, I'll still I'll still take Giannis most any day over just about oh, any player. Oh, absolutely. So just got to get those. Find out who's that. Who's that next up? Who's going to be? That I just I think guy? what comes down to this is nobody's doubting that the Bucks are a good team and will make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It just of you course. want to see, especially after the the way the past two years ended in the playoffs, you yeah. want to see wins against teams you will face come come the postseason. Mm-hmm. And and so far, you've seen some good performances. I'm I you know when you when you come down to it and you lost by a possession to both the Nets and the uh, Suns. You know, sometimes games, sometimes the ball don't drop your way, right? Like there, but there's when when you follow it up against a, a 15 point loss to the Jazz, <laughs> there starts to become a little bit of yeah. worry creeping back into the back of Bucks fans' minds. So, yeah, something needs to happen. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, like I said, I'll still keep watching. I'll still keep following. And Giannis, ten out of ten is all you know, always, anytime. But come on, <laughs> do something, yeah. please. Get it going. <laughs> Get it going. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's, let's move along to some baseball. We got some, uh, some news regarding the Chicago Cubs. How excited are you scale of one to 10? 
Uh, I mean, I talked about it on the last show. I, I saw this potentially coming. There were rumors of it happening. And here we are. Uh, Jake Arietta is back on the north side. All righty. Uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Yay. Uh, cool. I don't know. He's uh, At least you get to reuse all those jerseys and T-shirts again. There you go. I mean, obviously had a huge impact on the Cubs and helped us to, you know, break the curse, win the World Series. He had a historic season in 2015. A guy you you did he sat win down so long for that or no? He did. Yeah, he he okay. was he was dominant that season. Probably. I think he went 20, I think he was 22 and 4 with a like 1.7 ERA, something like that. Just threw a no-hitter. It, I mean, he was dominant. No no other way around it. I mean, the guy was was something special to watch and uh, we let him go after the 2017 season. He moved on to Philadelphia, and his ERA is st- has been steadily rising ever since. <laughs> and he proceeded to uh, immediately fall off a cliff. Yeah, he's 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 really uh, showing that he's you know he's aging quickly. It seems he's he's 34. Um, he's going into his age 35 season this year, um, and now he's going to be in, inserted into this rotation. Um, I mean, I, I really can't get excited about this rotation until I until I see something happen in the season in the regular season. Obviously, I'm going to be excited when Kyle Hendricks is out there. Love the professor. Love watching him go out there and fool batters with his 86 mile per hour fastball. And then we'll have you know you slot Jake Arrieta in. But the thing is that it kind of confuses me is where is this money coming from all of a sudden? Uh, we we were unable to re-sign John Lester because we had no money, and we let him walk and sign a two and a half million dollar deal with the Nationals, and now we sign we sign Trevor Williams for two and a half, and then we sign Jake for six, and it's like it's kind of a kind of seems like a slap in the face to me in in my you know looking at it from from an outsider's perspective, uh, kind of seems like a I don't know. It just it just doesn't sit well too well with me. Um, but nothing that the Cubs front office has done recently has sat has sat very well with me. So not super surprising. But it's cool. I loved I loved Jake when he was here. I loved watching him pitch. He was like must see TV for about two years there. You know, I'm obviously I I'm not expecting great things from the Cubs this year. So you know, it's just one of those wait and see type things. Maybe he'll have a resurgence. Obviously. Everyone in the MLB who had a bad season last year is thinking that last year was just an anomaly and they'll bounce back. But Jake's had three bad years. So uh, hopefully those those three years in Philadelphia were just a, a mirage of some sorts and uh, he'll come back and be useful. You know, he's been he's been very unuseful in Philadelphia. No playoff appearances, <laughs> a team that has that has disappointed across the board. Um, and now he comes back to another team that's been disappointing. So, uh I mean, we'll see. And apparently, but I mean, apparently he turned down bigger offers to come back to Chicago because he liked the idea of reuniting with the team. So, hmm. I mean, he probably also realized that this is where he's going to have the least amount of, uh, of exposure because this is a team that no one's going to care about in about three months. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, least, we'll, no, least we'll, amount of competition below him. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he knows he's, he can come in and be like the number two starter almost immediately. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's where I mean, we're at. I the think, Cubs are. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> I think the the contract and uh, you know you we were sitting for months waiting on it quietly and not really talking about baseball because no signings were made. Um, and the 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 entirety of that starts and ends with the owners. Um, I mean, welcome to Evans' the next edition of the owners are shit and we all hate it. It's just like you know it was you you 
every player that has been signed recently, we sit and look at the deal and go, wow, that was cheap. Wow, he shouldn't mm-hmm. have signed for that much. Oh my God, they got him for how much? What? It's because everybody's just waiting and waiting. And now we're a month away from spring training and players are going, shit, I don't have a job yet. I guess I'll take whatever. They're waiting for the, till the, the owners had all the control and they wait until the price is in their, their price range and then they start snapping them up. And you've seen a flurry of moves that would have been done at the minute winter meetings finally getting done now. And it's just like, okay, shocker. Same, this is coming from yeah. the same group who, who wants to wait to start the season for player safety, but doesn't want to delay the season into November. They would just want their shortened season because money, money, money. That's all they want. So, mm-hmm. and this has been another edition of owners are shit. Love it. I love it. But yeah, I mean, that's what all I have for the Cubs. Um, again, not excited. Uh, let's move <laughs> on to the Brewers. The Brew Crew, a, a prediction you had, or a, or a hope you had last episode was that Jay, uh, Justin Turner would be coming to Milwaukee in a in a signing. Uh, that 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 dream was quickly dashed, and uh, he has announced that he has resigned. Yeah, did you see his TikTok by the way? No, I, I missed that. Oh my god, he had some. I, I it was like a. Basically, people were talking about when you want to make a Trevor Bauer type uh, announcement video, but also don't want to put in the effort at the same time. <laughs> it was like he like he had his car. I forget what song was playing, but he basically had his camera set in the back of his car, and he just walks up, throws his Dodgers bag, is is you know his locker room bag into the back of the trunk, presses the button, and walks away like he's gonna get in the car and drive away. It was like, what? <laughs> this is how yeah, you announce like... you're staying home. It was so weird. It was like, oh my yeah. gosh. Um, I mean, I'm not not terribly surprised. I, I you know, after yeah. winning the World Series, and now they've just retooled or just you know added Trevor Bauer to that already dominant rotation. And now, why would you leave <laughs> at this point? I mean, yeah. stay and probably win another World Series. And he got, uh, he got offered pretty healthy money too, didn't he? Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. So just not surprising. I think, as I said, I was hoping that it would happen, but I think if anybody thought that the Dodgers weren't the front run, front runner to get him, the you know the, them dipping into the salary tax, the luxury tax with the the Bauer signing definitely made it more uh, worrisome, mm-hmm. um, or more like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? But yeah, two years, thirty four million dollars. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently, according to John Heyman, the Brewers offered about the same 34 over two years for Justin Turner and also made a three-year bid with a somewhat lower annual salary. Also, Wisconsin tax is lower than California tax, so overall, good try. Um, yeah, he just wants to win rings, and he wants to stay with the team. Oh, who he's, for sure. He, who, who admittedly has has made him into what he is and given him his second chance. I mean, he remember he got DFA'd by the Mets and was in a bad yeah. state. <laughs> he like He was not good, yeah. and then all of a sudden just exploded into relevance with the um dodgers so they figured something out and it worked for him and he's making money so you know he's 36 i'm sure he's not looking to start a new chapter you know he's just trying to be like all right let's run it back let's let's do this again get as many rings as i can before my body quits on me yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i'm not so so not really surprising overall and then we can talk a little bit of football uh, which will probably lead us perfectly into our last segment (laughs) um let's let's do a little let's do a little football talk um Start with the Packers. Yeah, um, well, I'm going to package this yeah. actually two bits. I want to stick with the Brewers for a second. This is kind of like I've been oh, thinking. Sure, sure. Like, one thing I've been more excited about as the week goes on, and one thing I've been less excited about as the week goes on. And the thing I've been more excited about is Wong um, and that signing. We talked about it last week and how it greatly improves mm-hmm. um, the defense. 
I just, the logistics of all, like, people are like, oh my gosh, how is Kesson going to work out at first? But he didn't work out at second to begin with. Um, and, and it's, it's, you know, I think it's just a little bit of a shorter frame. Um, but <laughs> summed up best is Colton doesn't have to worry about fielding at first because he doesn't have to catch his shitty throws. <laughs> like he doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about fielding his crappy throws that are into the dirt or a mile high. It's, it's three really good, or it's, a, it's, it's going to be really good defense throwing at him. So it just has to make sure he picks it out clean. And, um, I think you can take the hit on that because it's on um, the de- defensive production because it's either going to be him or Vogelbach playing first. And they probably will still, still see some Vogelbach playing first. Um, but uh, yeah, just really good defense. I'm excited to see more and more of that. So no complaints there. And then, the, to get into the Packers, uh, the Joe Barry signing, I, I've gotten way, way less excited about after reading more and more. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. I mean, if you – well, so if you read around his career, he's basically gotten all his jobs based on knowing somebody who knows somebody at, or is married to somebody or whatever. Hopefully he's learned something in the past few years in L.A., where the heck was he playing? Mm-hmm. He's been so many yeah, places, he but but he was he was he was the own sixteen Lions defensive coordinator, um, which was <laughs> a, a team that was void of any talent on any side of the ball. Besides, I don't even know if Calvin Johnson was on that team at that point. But beyond uh, that, there was, he was he was yeah okay. But beyond that, there was nobody. Like it was John Kitten at quarterback. Like they're just and the defensive side of the ball was even worse. I don't think I could name any more players on that team besides those two. Um. So obviously not all his fault, um, but it's not like that's not his fault either. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to, you know, he still owns blame for, for Owen 16. And oh, then sure. um, he, he was the D coordinator in Washington for a few years. And pretty much the, one of the main reasons as to why w- the Packers got Preston Williams for as cheap as they did for what he did last year. Right. Like, so last year he exploded out and he was this like really great player because he wasn't being misused anymore. He was, I, you know, Barry's defensive scheme tried to have him put two, two hands on the ground and, and charge the the quarterback. And he's not that he's a stand up linebacker, even for his large size. Like, so he's a, he's a pass rushing linebacker. He works better from, from that position. He doesn't work well from, and he just, so just like a pattern of underutilizing, um, underutilizing or misutilizing players, um, especially for a position he's supposed to be good at coaching the linebackers, um, definitely worrisome. So yeah, it's it's nothing we can grade until we get to the end of the season or do we get to the to the season and and there's plenty of moves that can be made to make uh, make it work, aka getting better talent and free agency in the draft. But I I've definitely gotten a lot more nervous for that <laughs> as the season or as yeah. the week would progress and reading more into it. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, one of those free agency signings, though, we'll, we'll parlay this into, um, obviously, big news. Everybody is watching. J.J. Uh, Watt, after being released from the team on Friday and announcing that via Twitter, um, it's been, where is he going to go? And I think the Packers are big frontrunners for him. We talked about a few episodes. I think it was right before the trade deadline about maybe oh, yeah, you, you trade for J.J. Watt. Yes. Um, so now it looks like we can get him for not trading anything, just a free agent contract. And um, mm. I'm still down. I would love it. <laughs> the homecoming oh, story. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many storylines to love. JJ Watt would be incredible with this defense. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me you get Rashawn Gary, you get Kenny Clark and you get JJ Watt and you get Zadarius Smith. 
uh, sign me up. <laughs> don't yeah, I mean, know what, yeah, any what, offensive what do you have to complain the, about in that situation. <laughs> don't know any offensive line in the North who would be excited to match up against the Packers any less than they already or any more than they already were. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of just watching the rumors and waiting to see what happens. But there's definitely real potential there. Um, I think. I think. I saw betting odds that the top four teams favored are the Packers, the Steelers, the Bucks, and the Browns. Um, the Browns seemed like a little odd one to me. Uh, even saying that as a also Browns fan, um, I don't get me wrong. I'd be thrilled, but I just, I feel like, I feel like to me, it comes down to the Packers, Steelers, Bucks. And I think the Steelers are the odd man out of those, that list, because I think he's looking to win. I, you know, and the Steelers are a great franchise. They've been a historically great franchise, but they're not in a position to win. He would get to play with his two brothers there, but they have a whole mess of a cap situation and and not a lot of yeah. potential hope. Unless you're talk, telling me suddenly that Ben Roethlisberger has gotten an arm transplant and can survive a full season now. And a leg transplant and a head transplant and yeah, uh, exactly. All, and a yeah, personality time. transplant. Yeah. <laughs> well he's always needed that <laughs> yeah, yeah that mean, would be I, number I, one on the list for me yeah i mean obviously the, the whole family and like being able to play with both of his brothers i mean we, we've really never seen that kind of thing be able to happen in the nfl so that'd be cool but you know he obviously wants to go somewhere where he's gonna win so packers bucks i mean it seemed like the bills maybe could be a, a potential landing spot mm-hmm. for him i've heard that mentioned so uh you know i don't think he wants to waste any time he's he's not old he's 31 so but he's definitely had some injury concerns in his career he's missed whole seasons before based on his injuries so really no time to waste especially in a, in a position where he is constantly smashing heads together with the guy in front of him so yeah. i think it's i think it's a good idea for him to just look to i mean ring chase jj you deserve it you've earned it yeah absolutely well and it, it, he's best fit right now for with his age and injury history of a role where he can just be like a, a utilized like like not like a, a rotational piece but like save him for the downs when you really need him right he doesn't need to be out there playing all all doesn't night, need to be the guy right yeah he doesn't need to be like the main pass rusher or anything like that so i, I think pass that's that'd specialist be on a team that's going to win a ring is where i see him most likely ending up and sure. for me for me that's packers come on <laughs> yeah i guess we'll have to keep an eye on that uh speaking of another guy who was entering free agency on the bears side uh, news has come out in the last uh, couple hours about Allen Robinson and the bears are potentially about to uh, franchise tag him uh, for the upcoming season. And so they can work on a long-term deal and prevent him from entering free agency. Not sure how much he's going to like that. Uh, I know the bears have been unable to find any sort of common ground with him this, this whole entire season. Um, he expresses frustration, not only, you know, within the locker room, but outside the locker room to the media on Twitter, um, on radio, all different places. He was expressing his, his inability to find common ground with the bears front office and get this deal done. Um, so now it looks like they are planning to franchise tag him, which would be a $16 million hit, um, which is well below what he thinks he was worth. He has been reported to think that he is supposed to be getting like a $25 million a year contract, which um, seems a little bloated for uh, a wide receiver of his ability. I mean, he's fantastic, and he he kept the Bears in a lot of games this season. He's he'd be the best. I mean, he's the best opportunity we have to have a an elite wide receiver. But twenty five million a year. I mean, come on, like 
let's be realistic here, Alan. Like, yeah, you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna give you that. Uh, maybe the Jets, you know, like they'll, they'll, they spend some, throw some cash to, to, you know, get him enticed hey, to come play for them. But him and I guess it's Justin Fields. Hmm. Yeah, something like that. Maybe Deshaun Watson potentially. We'll see what whatever. What <laughs> oh happens Lord! Him. If I say okay, now sign me up. If you were going to say they trade everything for Deshaun oh, Watson sure. and pay twenty five mil, oh my god! Can you that imagine would Jets. That would be the perfect Jets yeah, move. That'd be make. a Jets. That'd be a, a Jets as fuck move. Um, so I mean, we'll see what happens. Obviously, I mean, the franchise tag will be added on. We'll have an extra year to try to convince him to stay. Uh, he'll probably get pissed and request a trade and sit out or something, you know, hold out something like that. So uh, it's the first step in the process, but it, it, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great right now. So we'll take what we can get though. Cause without him, we're our, our uh, wide receivers would just be uh, Darnell Mooney. And uh, that's about <laughs> it. So, Ooh, so boy. let's uh, from one team that has no quarterback to a league filled with all sorts of quarterbacks big and small good and bad <laughs> uh, middling and practice squad uh, our own evan schlanzer has put together a uh, powerpoint presentation uh, <laughs> his his senior thesis his research project all about uh quarterbacks so evan why don't you tell the people what exactly they should be expecting here all right. Well, this is, as you said, a senior thesis level of work that I've put into this. But my whole point is to prove why Matthew Stafford is a better. Well, for most people, they give Matthew Stafford the respect he deserves. But if you look at some of the counter arguments as to why that trade was not good uh, in the sports media world, um, a lot of them point to QB win loss record. Uh, as they stat to measure him on. I think one one specifically of note was uh, Shannon Sharp on um, whatever his stupid show is. Uh, Un- Undisputed, I think. Undisputed, thank you. Skip and Shannon, Undisputed. Um, they, you know, he brought up that Matthew Stafford has a t- 10 and 59 record against um, playoff caliber teams in his career which at its face is an absolutely abysmal record. And, you know, if your team was 10 and 59, you would not want to watch that team. <laughs> Nobody's going to argue, sit here and argue that. Um, but the, so I guess we'll start it here with the stat as a whole. And really as it pans out to the top tie, top 25 on the win loss record, like all time win loss record for quarterbacks and then uh, ranking them by win percentage as well. But actually I want to start here first. So like, you know, we talk about, as you said, quarterbacks, big and small, we've seen hundreds play um, only, you know, a few that can be labeled hall of fame or great or whatever, but let's just look at two games um, in a vacuum. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there was a game for December 2nd, 2018. Uh, It was Andrew Luck and the Colts going down to play Cody Kessler and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the final score of that game, I think Cody Kessler was starting for an injured Blake Bortles, I believe. Um, but the final score of that game was 6 nothing, Jaguars. Um, so Cody Kessler gets a win and Andrew Luck gets a loss, right? But did, did Cody really do enough to win that game or is it really Andrew Luck's fault that they lost? I think no, especially if you look at the defense at that time. That was otherworldly Saxonville that was just playing out of their mind. So 
does that in a vacuum make Cody Kessler a better quarterback than Andrew Luck? Well, no, obviously not. Why would you say that? There's no chance. We've all seen Cody Kessler Kessler play. Yeah, exactly. It's not good. Um, And then, uh, so, and well, and to compare it, to break it down for you, Cody Kessler in that game, 18 of 24 for 150 yards. That was his entire stat line. No touchdowns, no nothing. Andrew Luck, 33 of 52 for 248 yards and one interception. Now, granted, he did also, he did take about 20 more attempts to get to, or 15 more attempts to get only 100 more yards. But would you say that that makes him the worst quarterback? Maybe on the day, but not overall, not overall, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then let's look at another game. Um, this is, and this is, this is definitely in favor of Goff. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on this in a second. Um, but this is the Chiefs Rams thriller, thriller from Monday Night Football a few years ago. This has to be mm. probably my favorite game of all time that I've ever watched, especially Hell especially for as, a, as a neutral fan. Um, yeah. So the fi- I think the final score was fifty three fifty one or fifty four fifty one. It was something uh, fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. Okay, it was something absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers like that. Jared, and then I'll read you the two stat lines in that game. Jared Goff, thirty one of forty nine for four thir- four thirteen and four touchdowns, and he got the win. Patrick Mahomes in that same game, thirty three of forty six for four hundred seventy eight yards, six touchdowns, and three picks. Does that make Jared Goff the better quarterback because he got the win? I wouldn't say so, especially considering no. he's only been to one Super Bowl and Mahomes has been to two in a shorter career. Those are just obviously two examples in a vacuum, but like that's just starting to get to where you can't pin all of that on the quarterback. Yes, Mahomes threw three picks. He also threw six touchdowns and was the entirety of their scoring, save for like I think a running touchdown and a few field goals. So I think his greater his contributions as a quarterback are greater in that game. And then so there's a list here of the top 25 by uh, – overall wins um and by uh winning percentage i think you would not be surprised to find out that number one on both of those lists is in fact tom brady um so we can just go ahead and say that tom brady's the goat i mean it just kind of comes down to that like seven super bowls the most wins he's got a 775 winning percentage i'm you know obviously i'm saying that this is this is not just based off that there's plenty of other metrics that show that he is the best of all time but we'll get into a little bit of why there's only 60 losses to his name over this over the same span that Eli Manning has 114. Um, and to that point, Eli Manning, some of the names that uh, that frequent that or that are on the, that list, Joe Flacco and Eli Manning are on the top 25 list of all-time wins. But yet we're sitting here after Eli's retired. Would you, as of today, put Eli in the Hall of Fame? Um, personally, no but I understand why people might. Right. And I think a lot of people who debate personally, yes, would understand that you, why you would say no, because yeah, he's been to two Super Bowls. Yeah. He's won two Super Bowls. And, but he's also been probably responsible for some of the worst quarterback play we've ever seen, especially towards the end of his career. Like, yeah. And I think just, he finished with a, with a, a 500 record, like 116 114 and 114. And, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So just 116 five, and 114. But, so not great. And then Joe Flacco. Um, and I mean, playoff no Joe, sure, for the memes, but, like, he's not a good quarterback. He's, like, literally to me, he's, like, the definition of the most average quarterback I've ever seen play in, in my entire life. Um, so, mm. that I mean, that's my point there. Um, so, and, and, and sure as crap doesn't get, as you said, no chance. Doesn't even get in the Hall of Fame conversation. So, they're clearly not great quarterbacks, but yet yet they're on that list, right? And then I, the other one is win percentage, right? You, you, this is... 
So all these players have had to have played 96 games over the course of their career, um, which is a, which is a minimum of six seasons. So just some highlights going down the list. Like I said, Tom Brady is again at the top. Uh, the top five on that list is Tom Brady, Roger Staubach, Joe Montana, Pey- Pey- or top four. We'll start there. Tom Brady, Roger Staubach, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning all have plus 700 winning percentage. Um, you know who's next on that list of 96 career games? Jim McMahon. Let's go. I, I say you might have some bias in this conversation, but would you put him in Let's that conversation? <laughs> no, hell no. Jim McMahon. No. He's out there along the likes with the likes of Terry Bradshaw, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Montana. Like these are some of the names that are in the top tens. Ironic, by the way, that Jim McMahon has a 69% career, 69% win percentage when it comes down to this conversation. Nice. That's, I feel like it's a perfect, yeah, nice, exactly. Perfect number for him. Um, some other ones I want to highlight. Rogers on this list with a 66% winning percentage. So do you mean to tell me that by win, lo- win loss or win percentage that Jim McMahon's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? I don't think no. so. <laughs> yeah, no uh, way. Jack Kemp and Tony Romo. Um, both have over 60% win percentage in their career. With, with, without reading my show doc, do you even have any idea who Jack, Jack Kemp is? <laughs> I, I saw the note saying that he had a better career in politics, and I have no idea who he is. Like, yeah, he literally does. Even... I, he's a more prominent and longer career in politics than he had in the NFL. Um, he's some representative for something, so I don't even remember what he does. Um, Secretary of and, Housing and Urban Development, former. Uh, former he, oh, he that's passed right. away. Yeah, uh, he okay. was under he was under George H. W. Bush. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, great, great, great political career. Not so great football career, <laughs> considering we can't even yeah. tell you what team he played for, who he's, what he did with that team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then other notes, uh, you know, Watson, Deshaun Watson, Watson is also read that fifty percent mark. He's only played fifty four games in his career, but. Um, uh, Stafford's at 44%. Jared Goff's at 60 over 69 games. Um, so like, you're like, okay, well, Stafford's clearly not the, not the best quarterback on this list. But like, then again, another hole to poke in the argument is Jake DeLome, who again, I think is up there as one of the worst quarterbacks I've watched play the game of football has somehow a 58, 58% win percentage across his career. Um, so he did make a Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure in the early 2000s with the Panthers. Yeah. Um, yeah they so, played when they played the, uh, the Patriots. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say a blind squirrel finds a nut, but we can just probably agree that 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 the quarterback isn't always responsible for the the or isn't always the the main reason why a team goes goes into their oh, um, no. goes into a Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah, no way, yeah, no way, no way. Um, so that's my point there. Is already just starting with that. Um, you know, g- dig deeper into uh, comparing uh, QBs to overall talent and examining a relationship between that and total team wins. Um, and, I, and I think they did determine there was a correlation. Um, but if you remember back to your stats days, correlation versus causation, there's not enough to determine it's a full causation. Um, but better quarterback play does lead to more wins. Um, you know, nobody's going to sit here and deny that. <clears throat> so, but also, it also, there's a, uh, a, a um, there's also still a correlation that exists between team talent and team wins. It looks pretty much the same as um the two when they when it was graphed out um but i wanted to dig you said you mentioned a grab bag of quarterbacks here so uh and i i think it's best the picture's best painted when you look at their defense um and before we jump actually before we jump into those eight quarterbacks that i highlighted 
the other thing is um, <laughs> every year besides two since 1999, um, the, we've talked about the stat EPA per play um, uh, or success rate. I think we mentioned that before, which success rate is an interesting stat uh, defined as the amount of times a play produced a positive outcome. And in that definition, it's like um, it's either a first down or a touchdown. Obviously that's a successful play. Um, or it's, I think it was, I think it's like 45, 60, a hundred. So it's like 45% of, of your yards on first down, um, 60% mm. of your yards to go on second down or a hundred percent of your yards to go on third or fourth down. So basically positive plays that would allow you to keep moving the chains forward. Um, so mm. you have to either have either a top five success rate or general EPA per play. You've seen, um, either a team that made the Super Bowl be in the top five or be the new England Patriots. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's the end of the conversation. Some of the examples, <laughs> um, the bucks in 2002, uh, the Rams were the best defense. But also Brady was there too. Um, you know, you had 2000, you even had the both teams that were in the top five were New York, New York giants and Baltimore. Um, and they both, both were in the super, that was the Super Bowl that year. Um, yeah. Seattle, the 2013 Super Bowl, that was one of the best on record as as far as the EPA per play. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Carolina and Denver were the top two. And remember how boring of a Super Bowl that was because it was so yep. defensive heavy. Um, yep. I think 2012 was a little bit of an outlier. Uh, San Francisco was 11 and Baltimore, or was seven and Baltimore was 11. By the time the playoffs rolled around, Baltimore was the best team defensively. So, you know, and that was the that was the playoff Joe year. Yes, that was playoff Joe, and that was the year that everybody crowned him as a as a good quarterback for once, and that's how he earned his giant extension. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's where the elite meme sprung. Um, so yeah, just my point is, it doesn't just take a good quarterback. Hold on. Wait, hold on, hold on. Um, <laughs> you're forgetting a team that is listed on that. Doc. Oh, I'm so sorry. Two thousand seven Chicago Bears, uh, number you. two defense in the league. Give us our league. flowers, so please. Sorry. Yeah, there's your credit where credit's due. Thank you. We won't talk Thank about what happened in that game. Thank you. Um. No, we don't have to, but we, I just want them to be recognized. They are recognized. Yes. 2007, the Bears were the second best defense. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much that. Oh, the other one, I, I'll give credit to my team. 2010, <laughs> say, take your bow over there. Is that what you're... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, there's a lot of really surprising one and two matchups. Um, Pittsburgh and Green Bay being the other one that I almost skipped over. Um, so, but like I said there's at least one team, if not two that are top five in those metrics that are pretty much widely agreed on as good metrics to have going in your favor <laughs> to you know, be a good always, team. They've always said, they've always said defense wins championships. So it does not surprise me to hear that kind of, you know, that kind of stat. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then, this so besides this year, yeah. <laughs> no, well, we saw it this year. We saw the, we saw the, you know, the Bucks defense dominate that game and oh, yes. it ended up coming out on top. So yeah. Um, and I think I will get back, get to this later, but well, we'll get to this right now. So now a comparison of eight quarterbacks. Um, and by the way, this all just started off a discussion. Like I said, we mentioned back, this was the Stafford versus Goff debate. Um, and a lot of people trying to tell me that Goff is a better quarterback than Stafford, specifically one, Dimitri, I'm calling you out. This just, is all for you. <clears throat> to say that is just dumb. Yeah. So, so we're going to start with the, so I compared eight quarterbacks um, along a five-year span, which is coincidentally the entirety of Goff's career, um, there's no 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 correlation there whatsoever. Um, 
so Goff, Stafford, obviously those are the two main in the debate, but for some more comparison, Trubisky we threw in here, Rogers, we've got to keep it relevant to us. Um, Watson, Cousins, Brady, and Carr. Those are the eight quarterbacks I chose. You could choose any other random eight quarterbacks to compare that have these enough of these snaps. Um, it was a minimum of a thousand snaps, I believe. Minimum of 800 snaps, sorry. Um, and, and 44 quali- qu- quarterbacks qualified. All these statistics are taken from uh, RBDSM or RBSDM.com. Uh, they have a whole stats comparison where you can look at advanced metrics, including offensive, defensive. You can even look at quarterback heat maps. I mean, they got they got tons of stuff to really analyze and break down play by play and number by number. Um, and I won't read, I won't bore you by reading off tables. Uh, they'll be posted on Instagram, so you can go look. Um, but some of the things I wanted to highlight is Goff over that five year span has as a EPA um, EPA per play is his the defense has been third best. Um, and the defensive success rate has been tied for first. So they've allowed the lowest success rate of any team defensively, and they're third best at at, um, at negating offensive efficiency. Um, by by those measures, I think that's a pretty good defense. And if you look at what got them to that playoff run, I, I, you know, Goff played. Goff has shown the ability to play like a top ten quarterback but he does not do that consistently. And I think the bigger carrier mm-hmm. of that team was, was the, the defensive success that that team had. I mean, that was a star set cast and the, oh, yeah. and the success of one Todd Gurley who legitimately had MVP considerations that season. Um, so those are two strong points there. Um, and you look at Stafford's team uh, over that five-year span and both those categories, EPA and defensive strength, success rate dead last. Um, which is goes along with what we've seen as being two fans of N- of NC NFC North teams. The Lions are bad, <laughs> and it was not oh, because yeah. of Stafford that they were bad. Um, historically you know, bad. Man. Historically bad. Um, the other one of of note is Ch- Trubisky. Um, EPA per play defensively, the Bears were seventh over his over his span, and the success rate was sixth. So. As you've been pointing to for years, this has this team has a good good defense and and would probably not be where they were if they did not have a good defense. Um, just backs that up. And then Brady, I think this was over the entirety of his career. Actually, he has so or no, this was over the five year span. My apologies. But while he was with the Patriots, the the third best team defensively in allowing EPA per play, and they're the tenth best in defensive success rate. And then the Bucks this year were fifth and fourth, respectively, in those two categories. Um, Brady is a good quarterback, but has also been around good, good teams in New England and in, now in, in Tampa Bay. And they will continue in Tampa Bay because I think they're going to bring a lot of those guys back. And I think a lot of those players are looking for pay cuts or are looking to go away from a team that it looks primed to win a few more Super Bowls as long as Brady's playing the way he does. Um, we can skip past this one. Just a breakdown of... Uh, uh, the individual quarterback stats when it comes down to offensive success rate and comparing them to the overall offensive EPA and success rate. Um, I'll, I'll highlight though, the two of the debate, um, the offensive general EPA for the lions over Stafford's span, that five-year span is 21st and their success rates 22nd. Um, so Stafford looked to outperform that a little bit. He was uh, 17th and 19th. That's kind of actually not only that it's fully outperforming um, because that's a, that's comparing 44 quarterbacks to 32 teams. So 
middle of the pack, kind of like slightly below average for his EPA and, and QB success rate, whereas the offense was in the bottom third of the league overall. Um, and if you look at the rush game stats, that that kind of shows where that discrepancy gets weighted down a little bit. Again, dead last, 31st and 32nd in rush rush success and efficiency. Um, and then the other one is Jared Goff. I wanted to point this out. Uh, so he, as a quarterback out of 44 quarterbacks, he's ranks 24th in EPA per play and 30th in success rate. So like you said, probably a little lower. That's definitely getting back into that bottom quarter more like than the bottom half. Um, and when you look at the offense, the, they were, they stuck at the middle 17th and 16th. So better than the lions, but quarterback play was worse. Um, and, and the discrepancy again comes in the rush game, 10th in rush EPA among 30, 32 teams and seventh in rush success rate. Um, like it, it just kind of points to that. It really much wasn't as much as golf as we think, like leading golf took advantage of situations when he needed to, like, you, you know, you saw how deadly they were on play action, how protective that offensive line is. Um, but, but when it goes bad, um, it goes bad. It, it, you know, Stafford has 46 interceptions and 27 um, fumbles. Goff's got 57 and 44 and the team performed better overall. Like, I think those are things you don't want your quarterback coughing up. And I'm pretty sure over the past three seasons, Goff is leading the league in turno- in total turnovers. Like not things you want to see <laughs> and not things that lead me to believe. And he's really only had that one good year overall. Like if you look like overall in his career, he had one good season, 2018 in that season where he had the game against the chiefs that you mentioned earlier, but he has not been able to put together any sort of consistent play in his career at all. While Matt Stafford has been outside of injuries, has been one of the yeah. most consistent quarterbacks in the NFL. When you look, um, you, you know, that record, it was 13 and three that year for, with the, with the Rams. Um, and he was, had a 64% completion percentage, 60, almost 65% completion percentage on the year. He threw for 400, 4,688 yards, 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And also had um, that was the year. Yeah, he had twelve fumbles that year, um, which led the league. Like you know, 40, 46, almost forty seven hundred yards. That's a good stat. But thirty two and twelve. That's not that's not a team that's yeah. That's, that's not a quarterback that's, that's winning games on on his play, right? right? Stafford, for comparison, that same season, what would we say that was twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. That was twenty eighteen. So Stafford, for comparison, that same season. 3,777 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Not great, but his team didn't end up in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> is that really all on him? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it kind of presents a case of there's a lot more than just, there's a lot more than just win loss, wins and losses. Right. And I think the biggest painter of this picture is when you compare each quarterback's individual win loss record. Um, and this was over their entirety of their career. And and it's it really paints some staggering numbers. I think basically when you calculate it out, a quarterback, an average quarterback, accounts for probably single handedly twenty five percent of his team wins. Would would you say that's fair? Um, like if you yeah, could, if you if you if you isolate it down to a drive that he led, where he throws a touchdown or gets him in a position to kick a field goal, that roughly happens about twenty five percent of the time for a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there's there's outliers. This this I'm sure. 
you know, you can debate this because I'm going to sit here and poke a hole in my own argument or get out of my own argument when I see that Rodgers is only responsible for 19% of his team wins. Um, but a lot of times <laughs> his record only is his record's 138 and 74. So a lot of the times his team was winning because of yeah, this is not the only metric, I guess, is like there's a lot of times where they've been up by two or three possessions and the game's already over by the fourth quarter. So he's not having to come back. Right. Behind. Sure. You know, it, it looks it looks it's a pretty similar picture with Brady, right? 263 and 80 is his overall record. And he only accounts for 23% of his um, teams, uh, like directly accounts for 23% of his team's wins. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was supposed to be Okay, so I made notes under the bottom of the chart, specifically for Stafford and Carr. Let me pull up Carr here, because Carr is a fun one to look at. He is an incredible quarterback. Him and Matthew Stafford have both looked at, well, I'll give you those three stats here. So Goff, Stafford, Carr. Goff has a record of 44 and 30. In his career, he has seven fourth quarter comebacks, which is defined as an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter with a team trailing by one score. It's not necessarily though a, a drive to take the lead only games ending in a winner tire included. So bringing them back into a position to win. And then also a game winning drive, which the other side we're looking at an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter or overtime that puts the winning team ahead for the last time. So these are, these mm. are both drives that they've had. I, I think it more comes down to, game winning drives than fourth quarter comebacks. Fourth quarter comebacks are nice to look at though. So Goff's been responsible in his 40 in his 70 plus games for seven fourth quarter comebacks and nine game winning drives. Um, Stafford has a record overall across his career of uh, 74, 93 and one. He has 31 fourth quarter comebacks and 38 game winning drives. Uh, Goff with that nine game winning drives accounts for 20% of his, of his quarterback wins. Matthew Stafford accounts for 51% of his quarterback wins. That's insane. And and I'll give you some of the, the years I have highlighted here. They're just incredible. Uh, Derek Carr is the other one I wanted to look at. He is 47 and 63 in his career with 21 fourth quarter comebacks and 24 game winning drives, also accounting for 51% of his total career wins. So that is that is to me the definition of a quarterback you want on a team um, that's good, right? Like you want like this you you want a quarterback that's going to take the game into his hands and and give you that X factor and. <laughs> Looks like by that specifically alone, there's other factors to judge on, but I'd take Derek Carr and I'd take Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. And I, I think I would stand oh, by that. Um, and let's look specifically at Matthew Stafford. Cause this is just absolutely incredible. So starting in 2011, that was, there was the year the Lions went 10 and six and made the playoffs. Uh, he accounted for four of those wins alone on, he led drives to put them in position to win the game. Um, 2012, four and 12, not a great year by any account, right? Without Matthew Stafford, they're one in twelve because Matthew Stafford did three game-winning drives. Um, the list keeps going. I mean, three. So he's, these are all seasons that he's counted for almost. I would say at least forty percent or almost half of his team wins or more. Um, Twenty thirteen, he had three of seven wins. Twenty fourteen, five of eleven wins. He was a responsible for. My favorite season though is twenty sixteen, nine and seven. He threw. He had a sixty-five percent completion percentage, four hundred four thousand three hundred yards, twenty-four touchdowns, ten picks. You're like, okay, meh. No, he accounted for eight of those nine wins all by himself. Literally, Matthew Stafford leading the team down the field, won the game eight of nine times for that team. Um, Unbelievable. And then this year, five and 11. Four of those wins are on Matthew Stafford's back. Um, and just and I think you could go look at Derek Carr, it's the same thing. The only season he really wasn't as mojo was 2017, but they were seven and nine and 15. He got four game-winning drives. They were 12 and three in 2016. He has seven game winning drives. Like these are quarterbacks that get it done when it comes down to it. And these are, you know, 
and you can debate situation and and like you said the rams we talked about the complete run game and defense they had those are situations that when those are working you're not falling behind and you're not in a position mm-hmm. where your quarterback needs to throw you to victory but we we've seen when the line breaks down with that team i mean he had plenty of opportunity this year the line was broken the team wasn't that great and he he never got it done he seemed to fumble the ball away more than he actually um did anything um right and so when you when you really get down to it i like i think everybody wants to like count the playoffs and we're all looking for like who's the next brady who's the next this who can really get it done when it comes down to it brady i think is one of the best at doing so he's had plenty of uh, playoff and regular season comeback and game winning drives in his career um but when you know 62 of his 263 games are are, are game winning drives like that's an incredible number i think that's probably best among active quarterbacks um oh for sure i mean it has to be so but when you talk about it like who we 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 had this conversation as i was building this research together is like who are the truly great quarterbacks in that you've seen play in your career for me i can probably name i mean for sure two rogers and brady um Mahomes clearly is showing that trajectory. I don't think he's. I don't think he's played long enough to be considered truly great yet. But he has obviously every bit of potential to do so. Um, I would put mm-hmm. Manning in that conversation, and that would be like. There's definitely some other ones that I might be True. not missing. Breeze. Yeah, like Breeze to me. Breeze and Favre. There's are the definitely, two, but, but like they're friends. yeah. There's like right, and there's like there's like questions about those guys. Like the guys yeah. you mentioned before, like Rogers, Brady, Manning. No doubt, first ballot. No one can argue that those guys are Hall of Fame. I mean, you saw Peyton Manning is going to the Hall of Fame this year, first ballot. Tom Brady obviously will be first ballot Hall of Fame, and Aaron Rodgers should obviously be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. Patrick Mahomes right. is on that trajectory, as you said. And then, I mean, a guy like Breeze obviously has all the the statistical, you know, records, accolades <laughs> you could want. Yeah, he, but he just hasn't been able to win. It's like mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to win those big games. And, you know, it's it's uh it's one of those things where you're like, oh well, but I mean he'll he'll be there. People love that guy, yeah. so he'll well, be there. Some people might poke the same at Rogers. Sure. At, yeah, um, I was gonna say the same thing. Like but, oh, well. but I don't know if that's like like again, it, you know the, when you're getting up in this rarefied era, this is when QB win loss records come into play and can distinguish people, right? This is where that stat matters because you're distinguishing the best of the best. And that's when seven Super Bowls set you apart from two and from one and from zero, you know, like, because you have great quarterbacks who have played the game and never made a Super Bowl, right? Like that's when that stat matters. When you're trying to distinguish if a team's going to be better with Matthew Stafford at the helm versus when Jared Goff at the helm, I don't think the win loss record is going to tell you anything, anything relevant or knowledgeable. And same with Derek Carr and same with, Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky has a 29 and 23 career record. Is there anybody who's willing to go put him out as a starting quarterback this offseason besides maybe the Bears again because they have no other choice? No, absolutely not. God, I hope not. If they're smart, they won't. Or would you conversely be able to say that he's better than um, than Deshaun Watson? Because Deshaun Watson has a 29 and 27 career record. They've both been Hell to the playoffs no. and lost. Hell no. Exactly. Not even so, close. Not, even, not even close. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, it was kind of a blitz through that. I like I said, I have tables and stuff. I've been working on this brainchild for forever. My 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 mind is jumbled. And my my thoughts are scrambled. But I'm going to put some on the Instagram and and hear what. Let me hear what you guys think about it. 
um, it, just go through the numbers and look and see um, where, uh, you know, where, where the team's efficiencies lie, right? Like that's half the battle is where does the quarterback play actually impact the team positively or negatively to me, 44 fumbles and 57 interceptions impacts it impacts a team negatively when they're, when they're 10th uh, yeah. and seventh so. best in the league at running the ball. Right. Yeah. To me, you know, you, you just see it. It's more stats than just a, just a win, win loss record that 50 and that 51 other players have an impact on, on the, on the field of football. Um, I think we, I can't, I don't want to get into the, so moving on from that though, we're separate that conversation aside. Um, I want to talk about the Ram strategy and why I think it's genius as a front office. Um, I, we won't delve too deeply into the whole, um, like the trade who won, who lost. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already on this podcast. We both think that Stafford's a huge upgrade over golf. Um, For sure. But, no question. But, you know, people have called into question now the Rams are going to go seven straight drafts without a first round pick. Um, that's a long time. And you as a Bears fan know that pain of going multiple years. Um, I've gone I mean, like three without it. And I'm like dying. So yeah, exactly. So seven years is a long freaking time. Um, and they've made some pretty significant trades in that span. First, obviously, was the Rams trade to get Jared Goff. In the 2016 draft, they traded uh, a, a, their first round, two second rounds, a third round, the next year's first round, and the next year's third round pick in order to get the Titans' number one overall pick. Um, and <laughs> My God. <laughs> they traded so much for that. Yeah, they gave up a lot. <laughs> That's oh, let's see. Let's that's one, three, four, five, six picks. They got three in return, including the number one overall pick. Um, oh my god, they got Jared freaking Goff to get like... Jared Goff. Which, to be fair, like we said, we're not going to sit here and say they didn't make a Super Bowl. They absolutely did, and Jared Goff sure, played yeah. a role in doing so. So you would chalk that as generally a success, right? That's a win in a, of a trade. The Titans turned that trade into. Well, actually, actually, the fallout from this trade is pretty great. So the first, the number one overall pick, obviously, was Jared Goff. The fourth round pick that the Rams received was traded to the Bears. And you Bears used that to take Nick Kwiatkowski. You, you can tell us whether that's a win or not for you guys. Not for us, but he's turned into a, he's turned into a, a fine middle linebacker in the NFL. Okay, so there you go. Then the Rams used that sixth, overall pick, or sixth round pick to get Tamaric Hemingway, a tight end from South Carolina State, who was on the Rams roster in 2016, but then eventually joined... The Broncos, his last play time was in 2018, but no catches logged. The Titans then got the Rams pick, which was traded to the Browns for Corey Coleman, who didn't really turn into much in the NFL. The Rams then took the second round pick, Austin Johnson, who has played with the team, not a significant role, two and a half career sacks at the writing of this article. Um, and then the other second round pick, this was the first one where there's real significance picked onto a team from all these hall of pick. It's Derek Henry, um, who <laughs> no really needed to explain what he's become. You know, we know what he's all about. Um, yeah. We know so, his story. Wildly productive pick there. Then there was another pick trade to the Browns that the Browns wasted an offensive lineman who is no longer on the team. Um, and then they also drafted Corey Davis with that third round. Oh no, the 2017 first round pick became Corey Davis. So, and then this third round pick became John Smith. So there's three big pieces that came from that draft of the Titans. I would say it's a win-win on both sides. The Rams got a quarterback and went to the Super Bowl. Um, it, the quarterback didn't get them to the Super Bowl, but they were in a Super Bowl because of the quarterback and they sucked before mm-hmm. the quarterback. So um, that would be a win in my mind. Uh, that was trade number one. Trade number two 
there was an, well, there's another trade they traded out of the first round in one of the drafts. Um, I don't want to delve into that. I don't have enough time because that didn't really turn into a significant <laughs> piece. Um, we've been going for an hour and a half, and Frank's looking at his phone already. He's bored. <laughs> so, um, the the we'll, we'll go quickly. The other one was the Brandon Cooks trade, right? 2018, at the beginning of that season, get get our quarterback a weapon. They did. That was a high flying offense with Cooks, Cup, and um, Robert Woods, right? So they traded a first round pick and a 2018 sixth round pick, and the Patriots gave Brandon Cook and a fourth Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick. I don't really know what – I haven't found what the Rams got out of that trade, but the Patriots turned it into Isaiah Wynn, Keon Crossan, Ryan Izzo, and Brian Coward. Wynn has played a whole tw- 15 snaps um, in his entire NFL career, um, suffered a torn Achilles in the preseason to miss an entire rookie year, and then he missed another eight games last year due, in the 2019 season due to a toe injury, and I don't think he logged any snaps this year. So nothing there. Um, Izzo yeah, – never heard of any guys yeah exactly Izzo kind of has some relevance because he's one of the four different tight ends I think they took in that the Patriots draft but he didn't play at all um so they gave up Brandon Cooks and didn't have to re-sign him to a long extension and um still ended up beat, winning that Super Bowl and and because I was remember they traded Cooks in the offseason and offseason and then he ended up in the wrong team in the Super Bowl um but then yep. beyond that didn't turn into a whole lot um and then the final trade that's the big one is the uh the Re- the Jaguars trade um, for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they gave up a 2020 first, a 2021 first, a 2021 fourth round pick um, and got back Jalen Ramsey. And again, giving up three big picks or two big picks and another decent size pick. Um, and the two first round picks, the, the, sorry, the two picks last year they had in the draft were used to take CJ Henderson, which was supposed to be kind of a Jalen Ramsey replacement. He's not at the talent level, but get another corner immediately. And he had a, a decent year. Um, the other one that's pretty good was the was they picked this linebacker Calevon Chason from LSU. I don't know if you remember him from last year in the draft. Oh class. yeah, he's a he's a um, he was brought in to t- kind of try and replace Yannick, and has been again decent. But they've only played one year and had about an average impact, so it's kind of hard to grade that trade so far, considering that sure. the Jaguars are still in, in the throes of a rebuild. I think they have one. They have a, their first round pick coming up this year, one of two that they own. Um, and then, then that, then we can start to actually look at that trade three, four, five years from now. Um, and then obviously the trade now for uh, Matthew Stafford, which was this year's first, or rather next year's first, next year's and the year after, year after that first, and then a third round pick. I think that might be this year's third round. So twenty twenty two first, twenty twenty three first, and a twenty twenty one third, and then Jared Goff. Um, so again, obviously that's going to take about seven years before we can actually evaluate that trade by any <laughs> by any means. But you have a crazy. New- you have a new quarterback. You've dealt away seven first round picks and many other picks in the process. And I mean, overall the Rams have besides this year, missing, missing, no, making the playoffs. What am I talking about? We played mm-hmm. them um, making yeah. the playoffs and making the playoffs. I think every year since like Goff's second year, I think was the first year they made the playoffs, I believe. Um, so, and, and, and everybody's talking, you know, they're always in the conversation for a Super Bowl contender, um, this year, I think people are talking them as a Super Bowl favorite now with the addition of Stafford. Um, and this is what, you know, this is what teams have to do, right? If you view, which McVay clearly did, you go back to his comments. And I think it was after the second 49ers game um, where he just got, gave up the, he like three fumbles in that game and continued to fumble the rest of the season. Um, they've, they like, they've been, you know, clearly mad at him for a while. They've been good with him. 
and kind of noted that this was a weakness. I think McVay even called um, Snead and said, Snead, I need a, I need a quarterback. Like I need a different guy. Goff's not going to get us there. And Snead said, you got to convince um, Kroenke, the owner to, to like, to sign off on it too. And Kroenke's like, basically it sounded like the conversation transcript was Kroenke. Do you trust me? Like, because do you trust me to win you a Super Bowl? And he's like, because I need to, I need to make, make moves in order to do so. And Kroenke goes, okay. And that was how the, the trade, like they identified Stafford as the guy and they said, go get me him. And Snead did that. So they did I, that. Yeah. I like the move. I think it's still great that they're trading and, and I don't mind that they trade all these picks away. Cause clearly like, as, you, as we've seen, they don't always turn into anything like you, you you're going to take Jared Goff or you're going to take Corey Coleman. Yeah. I'm obviously taking Goff 10 out of 10 times. Right. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Derrick Henry, they already had a runner. Titans have won from this trade. They've gotten plenty of picks and have put themselves into relevance, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's it's a roll of the dice. Whenever you are no even if you're if you're giving up draft picks or if you're receiving them, it's a roll of the dice. No matter how many you have, they could all turn into duds. So it's really just a matter of if things will work out and it's 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 a 50-50 shot at at, well, in, at any point. If in seven first round picks your hit rate is Jared Goff, Brandon Cook. And Jalen Ramsey, I think that's a win, don't you? I would say so. I would say that return has been has been pretty good for them. So uh, it all worked out. And and props to you for doing that much research on a topic that uh, I'm I, I think about one in ten thousand people in the United States uh, would would worry about. But I mean, the fact that you did all that research and put together all those tables and all that, man, let's go. Just bored. No, I mean, hey, I mean, anytime we're talking about football, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. So um, you have anything else to add, Professor? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, All right. My thesis. <laughs> yes. Very good. We'll, uh, we'll have your paper back to you uh, with, your, um, with your outline. And we'll see if you'll be able to graduate on time. Um, <laughs> uh, but overall, like, uh, you know, as we always say, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate um, people on, you know, people on Twitter, on Instagram, following, liking, you know, sharing our content. Always great to see. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and let us know anything you want to hear. Uh, we're always open to suggestions, so if you want to hear any sort of thing from us, any kind of topics, any sort of special episodes, anything in general, just let us know. We are more than willing to uh, to help you you enjoy your listening experience as much as we can Um, last week's episode was the highest listened and downloaded episode in two months for us let's go we're back we're back so back keep keep it going upward momentum people and please (laughs) the streets the streets are hungry for content and we'll be we'll be sure to feed them like i said thanks everybody for listening uh we'll we'll talk to you soon and uh we are the war on 94 podcast later Peace out.